Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 22. How many want to go into whatever God has for us? Uh, how many understand? He's given us promises. Brother Pat, did you use something? Did you say something about promises? He's given us promises, and we want to walk into those. Uh, but, but I want us to, to see this today. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 22. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search out the land and bring us word again by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe, and they went up into the mountain and came into the valley of Eschol and searched it out. This is Moses retelling the story of the exploration of the promised land. He says, so I sent twelve of you into the promised land uh, to take inventory, reconnaissance of the promised land. And they took the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, He's brought us up forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. I want to preach to you about the conversation of conquerors. There was... There was 12 men that came out of that promised land and 10 of them said, we are not able to go up. And they became wanderers. But there were two that said, if God be with us, we are well able to take the land. And they became conquerors. I think that this morning, I'm, I'm looking at a group of people that want to be conquerors. And if we're going to be conquerors, we've got to get our conversation right. Let's pray. God, I love you so very much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what we've already felt here today. I ask you, Lord, that you will confirm your word with signs following and that you will do in this service exactly what you want. Let me not speak a word of my own on my own behalf, but let me speak exactly what you want spoken. And we will thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Look at your neighbor and say, We walk by faith. Not by sight. We are inundated visually, constantly. The sense that we exercise the most is our eyes. And uh, what we observe has a huge impact on how we behave. But uh, I want you to understand this morning that whenever we view evidence... Whenever we view facts, what we see with our natural eye is not all the facts. What we see with our natural eye is only part of the truth. It's not the whole truth. And so this morning, I want you to understand uh, that we have to have a correct reaction to the facts. 
Let me give you a couple of illustrations before we go much further. Uh, the, the story is in the book of Genesis chapter 42. Jacob sends his youngest at that time, it was his youngest son Joseph, out to check on his ten brothers. Joseph goes out, he checks on those ten brothers, and those ten brothers hated him. And so they decided after a long period of, of deliberation and some things happened, they sold their brother south into Egypt. And they said, how are we going to explain this to dad? And so they took Joseph's coat, his unique coat of many colors, and they killed a lamb of the flock, and they put blood on that coat, and they brought the coat back to Jacob. And they said, uh, hey, dad, he, we found this coat with blood all over it. Uh, what? What's, who's, do you know whose coat this is, dad? Whose coat is this? And Jacob says, uh, he says, surely... That coat is, is Jacob's, or I'm sorry, surely that coat is Joseph's, and Joseph surely is rent in pieces. My son is dead. There was a bloody coat, that was a fact. But my son is dead, that was a wrong conclusion. Jacob, in fact, was very, uh, you can find this throughout the, the, the history of Jacob's life, and I, and I encourage you to look at this. Jacob was always jumping to the wrong conclusion. He sends his boys down to Egypt, where Joseph was. He sends his boys down to Egypt and says, buy us some grain. And so, uh, as the story goes, they bought some grain, but uh, the but the, the, the ruler of Egypt would not let them all go back. They made Simeon stay behind. And so the, those nine brothers go back to dad and they say, Dad, uh, uh, there was a man there and, and uh, he said, we can't come back and get more grain unless we bring our brother and we've, we've left Simeon behind. And, and Jacob jumps to another conclusion and he says, uh, uh, Joseph is dead Joseph is gone. You've bereaved me of my children. Simeon is gone. And you'll take Benjamin away. And Jacob utters these words, All these things are against me. Because what Jacob could see with his natural eye was, Joseph, I don't have Joseph anymore. He must have died. I don't have Simeon anymore. I'll never get him back. And they want Benjamin to go down there. And I'll never get him back again. All these things are against me. That's what he could see with his natural eye. It was a wrong conclusion to the facts that he could see. The truth was that that Simeon was not going to die. He was going to be set free. The truth was that Benjamin was not going to be a captive down there. That Benjamin was going to be blessed. And the truth was Joseph wasn't dead. Joseph was the second most powerful human on planet earth and he was going to save Jacob and all of his offspring. The point is that we have to walk by faith and not by sight because we don't know the whole story. Three Hebrew boys, they did not say, well, king, it looks like at the end of the day, this is the end of the road for us. But what they did say is, uh, whether God chooses to deliver us or not, we know that He can, but we have our mind made up, we're going to follow after the living God. We're not going to bow down before your gods. They did not make a conclusion about their future, but what they did say is we're going to hold on to the one that can keep us against that day. Can somebody say amen? There is enough clatter and chatter from the enemy telling you that you can't. 
we don't need to be part of His media team. I'm going to say that again. There is enough chatter from the enemy telling you that you can't. You don't need to be part of his press release. The enemy looked at David and said, you can't take this city. We can just have the blind and the cripple that can defend this city from you. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. There was a giant that said, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and the fowls of the field. But David didn't have any of it. He said, I, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he was victorious. There was men that said to Nehemiah, hey, that wall, even a fox could go up that wall and knock it down. Nevertheless, Nehemiah completed the wall in 50 and 2 days. We don't need to listen to the enemy's report. As for me, I... Don't we sing that song, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Somebody say amen. The carnal man reacts to facts that can be seen. The child of God understands that there are more facts that cannot be seen. Now I was kind of, I was playing with Zoe last night. She came to me last night and said, Pastor, I've got bad news. Do you want to hear the bad news? Am I telling the truth there, Zoe? You want to hear the bad news? I said, what makes it bad? Well, I, and she starts to tell me. And I said, well, whoa, 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 why is that bad news. Now, understand, I'm, I'm kind of joking around with Zoe, but I'm, I'm also trying to teach a principle. She said, well, the garbage disposal is clogged. I said, well, what makes that bad news? Well, is it good news? Y'all can hear Zoe, right? Zoe, you want to come down here and tell your side of the story? Well, how's it good news? I said, I didn't say it was good news. I'm just asking you, why do we automatically classify that as bad news? Well, how could it be good news? Well, I tell you what, maybe we have to call a plumber, and maybe the plumber comes, and we pray him through the Holy Ghost, and, and, and then he does the plumbing for free too. So we got free plumbing, and he got the Holy Ghost. I mean, how, that, this could be good news. We were, we were, Brother Pat, you remember this, we were in Lewisburg and brought a team down to do Sunday school and do media and, uh, and do uh, uh, music, praise and worship, and we got a flat tire on the van. Man, we come outside after church and there's a flat tire on the van. Man, all these things are against us. Here we are trying to do a work for God. Here we are. I mean, we're running our guts out. We're in service here at 10 a.m. We're in Lewisburg at 2. We're running back to here at 6, church at 6 o'clock. And, 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 and all these things are against us. And we got in there, and we didn't even have a lug wrench. There's no lug wrench in this van. All these things are against us. All right, well, you know, we're in a hurry because we've got to be back for church at 6, and so I run up to Advance Auto Parts to get us a lug wrench so we can get that tire off there, and then we can get the spare tire on there, and I run up to Advance Auto Parts, and God knew that there was a backslider that was walking in Advance Auto Parts whenever I was walking out, and she came back to church, and she prayed through the Holy Ghost. All these things are not against us. What we have to understand is what we see is not the whole story. Jesus, help us. 
Oh, Elisha, look outside. The whole Syrian army's out here. They're going to get us. He saw the horses, he saw the chariots, he saw the great Syrian army, and he says, Alas, Master, what shall we do? The fact he knew was that they were surrounded. The fact he knew was that the Syrian army had them right where they wanted them. But there were more facts than what he knew. And Elisha prayed, Father, open his eyes. Open our eyes, O God, that we can see that there's more to the story than what we see with our natural eyes. Or at the very least, help us to have the confidence to know that you have never and are never going to leave us. You are never going to forsake us, but you are going to go with us always, even unto the end of the world. God, help us to understand that what we see is not everything. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread. I've seen lean times, but I've seen where it doesn't look good. I also see that God never has failed. We could go on and on and on. I thought Brother Pat was going to do it. There was a certain woman cried unto Elijah or Elisha and said, the creditor has come to take my boys. My husband, he's dead. He ran up a lot of bills. Didn't have a life insurance policy. And the creditor's going to come and he's going to take my boys. And I don't have anything to pay him with. That was what she could see. But Elisha could see something that she couldn't see. And he said, I tell you what, what do you have in the house? I don't have nothing. Just a little oil. And the prophet could see something in the bottom of that cruise of oil that she couldn't see. Elisha could see her answer in the bottom of that cruise of oil. Elisha could see gallons of olive oil in the bottom of that little flask. Elisha could see her bills being paid off. Elisha could see her sons being free. Elisha... God help us to see what we cannot see with our natural eye. The fact was the creditor was on his way to sell her sons into slavery. The fact was she didn't have anything to pay with, but the wrong conclusion was had on her behalf. He said, take this word that I have, you mix it with a little bit of faith and obedience, and the miraculous is going to spring forth in your life. Let me give you a revelation. You probably won't see the miracle coming. Moses, there's an ocean. Moses, there's a rock. And Moses, here comes Pharaoh. And Moses, you've led us here to die. They did not see it coming, what God was going to do. I'll tell you what. They didn't see it coming, Brother Pat. And we do not see what God is going to do, but what we need to do. Do you know what God told Moses? Tell the people to go forward. What are you talking about, God? What's forward? There's a Red Sea in front of us. Now you just start walking. I'm not going to let you in on what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give you all the understanding, but you just keep walking. You just go forward. 
You just go for it. Don't give up. Don't decide you're going to die here. Don't surrender to the enemy. Don't decide you're going to go back. Just move forward. And God says, I can see things you can't see. My God. That little lady, she, she was out there gathering sticks and the prophet came by. He says, hey babe, what you doing there? Oh, I'm gathering sticks, going to build a fire. Got a little bit of cornmeal left. I'm going to make two cakes. Me and my boy, we're going to die. Elijah says, ah, I tell you what, why don't you make me a pancake first? How about you make me a pancake? No, hear the facts, prophet. I just have a handful of meal in the bottom of my meal barrel. It's just me and my boy and we're in the middle of a drought and we are going to die. The prophet says, well, I tell you what, you might not be able to see what I can see. Why don't you just go ahead and take this word? Why don't you take this word and be obedient to the word because obedience is the threshold to the miraculous. God, help us not to come to the wrong conclusion. God is for me. God does love me. And he didn't bring me this far to leave me here. He brought us this far to take us in all the way. Oh, I wish somebody clap your hands. Jesus. We could go on and on. Elisha, the axe head's fallen in the water. I can't see it. I can't find it. That was a fact. But Elisha said, you know what? I think I'll just throw a stick in that water. And all of a sudden, the axe head floats. It's wrong conclusions from correct facts. Moses, the water is bitter. That is a fact. We're going to die. That was wrong. Turns out there's a tree over there. We'll just toss that tree in the water. It's going to clear things right up. Don't draw the wrong conclusions from only the facts that you can see. The facts they spoke were true, but the conclusion was wrong. And this is my message today. Don't discourage your brother's heart and your heart with the wrong words. Preacher, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. It doesn't make any sense. News. Flash, God often doesn't make sense. Just throw that stick in the water, Elisha, it'll be fine. And Elisha's a nutcase. Till it works. Ooh. <laughs> I guess I saw something we didn't see. Hmm. Numbers 13, 26. They went and came to Moses and to Aaron. This is the report of those that went and explored the promised land. They went and they came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh. And they brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us. And surely... It floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They're, they're carrying these grapes, this cluster of grapes on a staff between two men. Man, they, they come back. Moses, Mo, you, these are the grapes. You should see the watermelons. Moses, there was a coconut tree over there. 
Sounded like an atomic bomb went off when one fell off. Need Brother Pat to give us a sound effect. Moses, surely it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Moses, it's just what God said it was going to be. And better, because he does exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Wow, Moses. You know, sometimes I drew a line in my Bible under verse 27. And I said, sometimes you need to know when to stop talking. Sometimes you need to know when to just shut your trap. Because up until that point, it was a praise and testimony service. Moses, man, this is awesome. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites, they dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, so they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And, and, and you can feel the depression start to... Because here it is within sight, but we can't have it. It's exactly what God said it was, and even better, but we can't have it. And there are sections of the Old Testament that I think are, are, are very, very key to the unfolding of the rest of Scripture. And this story in Numbers 13 is one of the most critical, pivotal moments in all of the Old Testament. Because in verse 27, they were about to be winners. But by verse 29, they were whiners. They were about to march in and take the land. But they didn't have the conversation of a conqueror. Caleb realized what was happening in verse number 30. It says, Caleb stilled the people. In other words, hush up! It's basically what Caleb... He stilled the people before Moses. And, and he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well, we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Here's what I think is very interesting. There were two men that said, we are well able... There were ten men that said we are not able and everybody was right. Because the two men that said, yeah, God's, go God's got this, we're going to go in, they did go in. And the ten that began to speak negatively, that began to speak doubt, that began to speak fear and defeat, they were full of fear, they were full of defeat. And they did not go in and they wandered for 40 years. So here's what I want us to do today. I want us to change our vocabulary to the vocabulary of conquerors. Were there giants there? Yes. Were there walled cities there? Yes. Were there great and mighty people there? Yes. That's all true. But their conclusion was wrong. I'd like to rewrite that testimony. Will you if you will indulge me, I'd like to rewrite the report. The people are greater and taller than we are. Must be that milk and honey. 
Must be those extra jumbo-sized grapes that they eat. Think how big our grandkids are going to grow in this land. My goodness, think of the stories we're going to be able to tell. The Lord is going to do a great work and He's going to use us. They might be big, but they're nothing compared to Pharaoh and his chariots. Come on, boys, we can do this thing. There are giants in the land. Get your slingshot ready. Those giants are about to come down in the name of the Lord. Those cities, they have high walls like we have never seen before. Dig out those trumpets. Where are the trumpets at, guys? Dig out those trumpets. It's time to get our shout on. Watch your head because I feel a shaking coming. You see, when we look at adversity with a different lens and a different scope, hey, it's just an opportunity for God to do something great. I want to make a declaration today that we are not going to look at things and speak negatively. It says, our brethren discouraged our hearts or melted our hearts with their negative testimony. They lost an entire generation because of negative talk. Man. We need the conversation of conquerors. We need to silence the negative voice that always wants to talk in our lives. It's the natural response. But I don't serve a natural God. And Brother Anderson, if you want to come to the music, we need the conversation of conquerors. David said, "For and y'all can stand. David said, for by thee have I run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. David did not say there's no wall, there's no troop, there's no enemy for me to run through. He said, they're a reality. Opposition is, just go ahead and look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball, tell them opposition is a reality. But my God is greater. But my God is stronger. But my, my God, my God is greater than any adversary that can come against us. We are expected. I want you to lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I come against every doubt, every fear, every stronghold of low expectation. We cast it down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I loosen this congregation a supernatural faith, a supernatural expectation. Mighty God, this church is built on miraculous expectation. I, I wish Bishop could come and he could stand here for two hours and he could tell stories. And I'm sure I could pull people up, but Tommy, the rest of you folks could come up and you could talk about the miraculous things that God has done in the past. I mean, what possesses a guy to sell his farm? 
and go buy a rundown little schoolhouse, Brother Brad, and say, God's going to do a work. When everybody else said, I don't see it. They could see the evidence, but they drew the wrong conclusion. I, I know men of God that I love that said, Brother Bounds, I don't see it. Use those exact words. Brother Bounds, I don't see it. But there was a man that had a word and an expectation from God. And you are standing here today because somebody obey. I got a word for somebody. I got a word for every preacher and every saint today. There was, a, there was that little lady that we already talked about who was down to the bottom of her meal barrel. And she was going to die. In her mind, it was done, Brother Tex. She'd already settled the issue. We're going to eat this and we're going to die. The preacher came to that lady, Brother Anderson, and said, if you will make me a cake first, the meal will never run out. And that lady and her boy and the preacher were sustained because the preacher convinced her and she believed it. And when we believe the Word of God, it's going to sustain us and it's going to release the miraculous in our lives. We are standing on the edge. I absolutely believe it has begun, Brother Pat. We're on the edge of the greatest revival that the state of West Virginia has ever seen. So right now, by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name Jesus, I take dominion and authority over every spirit that would cause low expectations to grab a hold of the people of God. We bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus, but I loose a supernatural dispensation of faith and expectation. Not a visitation, but that we may walk in it from this day forward in the name of the Lord Jesus. I wish right now, the people of God, that you would shout unto the Lord and give Him praise. Shout like it. I know you're tired. I know it's been a long weekend. I need you to shout because God has given you the victory.